Thank you for tuning in to Living Life with Purpose, a ministry of Florida Bible Church in Miramar, Florida. At Florida Bible, we believe that life is preparation for eternity and hope this message will be an encouragement and blessing to you. More information about Florida Bible can be found at www.floridabible.org. Amen. Lead me to the cross. That's the place we need to be. We stay with the cross, we're going to make it through life. You know, we're living in some really challenging times right now. And I get around a lot, not only in the church, but out in the community through the Chamber of Commerce and, and my work with the fire department and, and, and different places like that. And, and, you know, people really are feeling the pressure of these very difficult times, financially, socially, politically, uh, in every way. And, you know, we as believers have to go through these same difficult times as non-believers go through. But here's what we need to always remember. We don't have to go through these difficult times the same way those who have no faith go through these difficult times. It can be altogether different for you and me. Today I'd like to return to one of the most uh, well-known portions of Scripture in the Bible. Probably the best-known verse in the Bible, the most quoted verse, is John 3.16. For God so loved the world, He gave His only one and only Son. Whosoever believes in Him will not perish but have eternal life. But probably the next most beloved passage of Scripture is the 23rd Psalm. And I would like us to return to the 23rd Psalm today so that we can be reminded that we have a better option in life than those who walk outside of faith in Jesus Christ do. David starts out this great psalm by making a declaration. He says, the Lord is my shepherd. He declares that. And if anyone could ever declare that with honesty, David could. David is the only biblical character of whom God said, here's a man after my own heart. That's how serious David is about his relationship with me. And so David says, the Lord is my shepherd. That implies a choice. I've got a choice. You've got a choice, just like David had a choice, to make the Lord our shepherd, to follow the Lord's way, to let him have the controlling interest of our life. And that's exactly what it means when we say the Lord's my shepherd. He has the controlling interest of my life. You know, there's a lot of difference between cattle and sheep. When ranchers want cattle to move from one place to another, they have to drive cattle there. We've all seen the westerns, we've seen it on TV, the old cattle drive. And that's cowboys on horses and they're whistling and they're yelling and they're cracking whips and there's dogs running around barking and they're just driving the cattle to where they want them to go. But sheep are very different than cattle. You can't drive sheep. If you go out there with a flock of sheep and you start cracking whips and yelling and screaming and whistling and all that, sheep are going to panic and they're going to go in every direction. They're going to scatter in hysteria. See, sheep follow their shepherd. Sheep create a relationship of trust in their shepherd. And all that shepherd has to do is walk down the pasture, walk down the road, and all the sheep just fall right in behind and follow them. Now, the problem is that we who have been made sheep through our faith in Jesus Christ still act like a bunch of cattle. And we stay in the cattle drive. Instead of following the shepherd, 
We let all these forces in life drive us through the journey of life. We let money drive us. We let relationships drive us. We let the pursuit of a higher job title drive us. All these things pushing us, cracking whips, forcing us down a dusty road. And we wonder why, as believers, we don't sense this peace that the Bible says passes all understanding that's available to us. Instead, we feel just like those who don't have any faith in God, who don't have any faith in Jesus Christ. And why? Because we are on the cattle drive instead of following the shepherd. I wonder which one you're doing today. David says, the Lord is my shepherd. I'm not driven through life by influences and people and circumstances. I have chosen to follow instead the shepherd. Now, when the Lord is really our shepherd, when we really are giving him the controlling interest of our life, we can expect a far different life experience than if we get back into the cattle drive. That's what David tells us about and reassures us about in the 23rd Psalm. He says, first of all, if the Lord's my shepherd, I shall not want. Now, we're not talking about material things. I know there's this prosperity gospel out there today that God wants to make every Christian a millionaire. That's just not biblical. It doesn't say that. Jesus said, if you want to follow me, you've got to take up your cross and follow me. He says, things aren't going to be easy. What it's really talking about, and probably a better word, and actually a word you could substitute in the translation for the word want, is the word crave. You know, when we're on that cattle trail, there's all kinds of marketing forces and, and merchant forces. They are driving us to crave their project. They want us to crave that car. They want us to crave that style of clothes. They want us to crave that perfume. They want us to crave that new house. They want us to crave this and crave that. It's all about manipulating us. We are a number. We are an opportunity to them. And they put out all kinds of carrots and say, come on, come on, little doggy, come on along, come on along, come down to my place, come on down and buy my product. And we do it. Last three to five years, we were all out there buying houses that now are upside down. And now we don't have the satisfaction of this wonderful house. We have the satisfaction of we got a mortgage that we can't sell the house to satisfy. All these credit card companies sent us all these credit cards said, you're pre-approved. Oh, man, I can go out and buy anything I want now. And we did go out and buy everything we want. And they drove us down that road of excessive credit. And now we're slaves and captive to it. All these political parties, all this kind of stuff driving us, causing us to crave and, and marketers and advertising campaigners spend millions and millions of dollars every year on that cattle drive pushing us and drawing us to crave what they say will give us a better life. And yet when we get it, there's always the next thing they want us to shoot for. There's always the next thing we feel we have to have. There's always something else that seems to be missing in our life because that's what the cattle drive is all about. But when the Lord's our shepherd, we have a totally different perspective. When the Lord's my shepherd, I won't crave. I won't be manipulated. I won't be driven by those kind of outside forces. I am completely satisfied with his management of my life. I trust the shepherd. I know he's not going to lead me into, into financial ruin. I know he's not going to lead me to be unsatisfied. I know he's not going to lead me to have no purpose in life. He's the good shepherd. And I follow his voice knowing that wherever he takes me is going to be for my welfare, for my satisfaction, and for my fulfillment. 
He says, he makes me lie down in green pastures. I was reading the book, A Shepherd uh, Looks at the 23rd Psalm by, by William Philip Keller. And he reminds us that, that it's the most unnatural thing for sheep to lay down. They won't naturally do it. They don't, they're too skittish. They're too fearful. In order for a sheep to lie down, the shepherd has to ensure that certain things are in place to make them feel safe and secure. They have to feel safe from predators. They have to feel safe from each other because there's what they call a budding order in a, in a flock of sheep, and that's the older ewes. If they see a place of pasture they want to graze in, they'll actually go up and butt another sheep and butt them away until they leave that place, and they've got to go somewhere else. Well, there's a budding order, and the more powerful and the more aggressive sheep, they tend to butt all the other sheep out, and really the most secure place is the bottom sheep, that they'll just go whatever's left. They need to know that, that it's a safe environment. And it's the shepherd that creates that sense of safety for them. Keller talks about as a shepherd, when he would go into his flock and they'd be all over and butting each other and competing and they'd be all upstirred and, and knowing they would never rest in that condition, just his presence would calm them down because they knew now the shepherd was here and the shepherd has my welfare. The shepherd's going to take care of me. The shepherd's going to protect me. Keller writes in his book, In the Christian's Life, There's No Substitute for the Keen Awareness That My Shepherd Is Nearby. He Who Leads Me, Not He Who Drives Me, Not He Who Cracks the Whip, Not He That Manipulates Me, But He Who Loves Me and Proved That Love When He Died on the Cross. That's My Shepherd, and He's Always on Duty. He's never asleep. He's never on vacation. He's there 24-7. Lies me, makes me lie down in green pastures. You know, we need to get a little bit more picky what pasture we're feeding out of. The world has all these pastures that they want us eating out of, and they're usually dirty, non-nutritious, non-satisfying pastors that, that really do not feed us what we really crave in life. And yet, here we are, even as Christian sheep, sometimes looking on the other side of the fence saying, boy, the grass looks a little bit more nourishing over there, and we find a loophole, and we get through there, and we get back on the cattle drive only to find that it's not more nourishing, it's not more satisfying. We find ourselves right back in the midst of the cattle drive, enslaved to all our passions again. Wherever the Lord leads us, when he has the controlling interest of our life, mark this down, he is going to help us to nourish and, and to live and to eat off things that will bring peace and will bring security and will bring purpose and satisfaction to life. He leads me besides the quiet waters. You know, sheep are scared to death of fast-moving water. They won't, they won't drink water at a brook where the water's moving over the rocks and there's agitation in the water because of the rocks. They have to be led to quiet ponds where the water is still. And the whole thing is about fear. And you know, we are living life in fear today. I am talking to so many people, both believers and non-believers, and, and they're always saying, I'm scared. I'm afraid I'm going to lose my house. I'm afraid I'm going to lose my job. I'm afraid I'm going to lose my my." my my marriage. I'm afraid I'm going to lose my kids. I'm afraid I'm going to lose my stock. I'm afraid, I'm afraid, I'm afraid. We are living in fear. And the reason we're living in fear is because we're on the cattle drive and everyone's pushing us in a direction and cracking the whip. But when we put Jesus as the controlling interest of our life, the good shepherd, he calms our fears. 
He brings that peace that the Bible says that passes all understanding. But it's a choice. And so many of us foolishly choose to be on the cattle drive rather than to follow the voice of the shepherd. He restores my soul. You know what makes mankind unique among God's other creation, especially the animal kingdom, is a soul. Animals share with human beings a body and a spirit. Animal has a body, just like we have a body. That's how we differentiate what species of animal they are. And animals have a spirit, don't they? You get one dog, and one dog's kind of a high-spirited dog, and he's always running around and nipping and barking at people and stuff. Then you get another dog who just likes to go lay in the corner and kind of sit by the sun, just kind of enjoy life. And you got cats. I've never been able to figure out cats. That's a whole other story. But even cats have personalities. They have a spirit. But what's God made different in man is God put a soul in man. In the beginning, the Bible says in the book of Genesis, God said, let us create man in our image. What is image is that? That is an image to have will, to have free will, to be able to plan, to be able to strategize, and most importantly, to live life forever. Man has a soul. This isn't it. This life isn't the end of all things when it ends. It is the beginning of our eternal life. And every man, every woman will spend eternity either in heaven or, the Bible says, in hell, one of two places. But we will live or die for all eternity because man has been given a soul. But when we fell into sin, that soul became dirtied. It became marred. But when we follow the shepherd, he restores our soul. What does that mean? It means to bring back or to put back into a form or or original state. When we trust Jesus Christ as our Savior, that's exactly what he does. Through his sacrifice on the cross, he puts our soul back into its original created state, a state where it's pure, a state where our soul is holy, a state where our soul is, is acceptable to God and is on the same plane as God's holiness and his standard for living eternity with him. And that's always that way. The book of 1 Peter says that when we trust Jesus Christ as our Savior, he changes our soul, and we are given an inheritance that can never perish, can never spoil, can never fade away. Why? Because 1 Peter chapter 1 says it's kept in heaven for us by God. It's protected by his omnipotent power, and nothing can pluck it out of his hand. But the truth of the matter is oftentimes we get back on the cattle trail. We get back on the cattle drive, and all of a sudden our soul starts to feel dirty again. Our soul starts to feel insecure again. That's the impact of the cattle drive. And yet, Jesus is the close as the mention of his name. David cried out, Restore to me, O Lord, the joy of my salvation. See, his soul got dirty, and he had no joy in his life. That's why the Bible says to us, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just, that he will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. See, he restores our soul. That's the peace that the shepherd gives us in knowing that our relationship with God the Father is intact, it's pure, it's holy. He guides me in paths of righteousness. You know, we've talked about pretty much all year 
the focus of our teaching since the beginning of the year has been on the fact that we as believers are different than we were before we became believers. We went through the whole life swap series. Then we went through a series on the Holy Spirit. And in all of that, we emphasize this fact that we're no longer who we used to be. When we trusted Jesus Christ as our Savior, he changed us. He gave us a life swap. The Holy Spirit came to dwell inside us. And therefore, we will not respond to the things that we used to do the same way. We can't walk down those roads anymore because we've been made different. Ours is a path to righteousness. And it's the shepherd who helps us to succeed in that. What is it, righteousness? It's acting in accord with divine or moral law. And when we don't act in accord with divine and moral law is when things start getting ugly in our life and when we start feeling insecure in our relationship with God again and when everything just seems to be topsy-turvy. Because we get back in the cattle drive and we're following where they're they're telling us we ought to go. Doing the things they tell us will bring us happiness and peace. And they are on the wrong eternal journey. Look what he does. He frees us from guilt and sin. Now I know that in the number of people we have here today, there have been some believers who have gotten on the cattle road drive this week. Some believers who are dealing with sin, even as we sit here today. Maybe a mom or a dad who acted harshly in response to their child's behavior or just a childish kind of antic and and, and you kind of overdid it and you know you overdid it and you feel guilty about it now. Maybe a husband or wife and you treated your spouse insensitively and you feel guilty about it. Maybe somebody who who used some artificial substance, alcohol or drugs or something to to kind of medicate your your feelings of fear or loneliness or whatever this week. Or or maybe you got on the internet and and looked at pornography or or maybe you went gambling or or a hundred different things that it could be. But I know that in a crowd of this size today, there are people sitting right now, it's coming back to you what you did. And you're not filled with joy. You're not filled with peace. Here you are in the house of God, and that sin is bringing guilt to your soul. It's bringing guilt to your mind. It's bringing guilt to your consciousness and their shame. That's where the cattle drive will take you. It doesn't take you to peace. It takes you to guilt. It takes you to shame. It takes you to frustration. It takes you to discouragement. But he will lead us in paths of righteousness. We won't have to deal with those feelings. We won't have to deal with those insecurities. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, even though one day every one of us are going to face our own end. One day we're going to go to the doctor's office like we do every year and get that routine physical, and all of a sudden we're going to get a call back from the doctor saying, I need you to come in right away. There's something we need to talk about. Maybe it's our blood test. Maybe it was an x-ray. Maybe it was a CAT scan. Maybe it was an MRI. You're going to say, we've got a problem. When that happens to people outside of Christ who are on the cattle drive, they fall apart and they go to pieces. But I've seen it over and over and over again in the life of people whose shepherd is the Lord. That even as they walk through those circumstances, they fear no evil. There's not a fear. There's a peace that God brings that only God could bring in those circumstances. And there's a trust there of the shepherd. And they know that they won't fear because they know the good shepherd who has their welfare in mind, who will protect them, who has demonstrated that by giving his life for them. They know that he's right there. And he's managing their life. 
And even though they face the threshold of eternity, His presence is stronger than panic and fear. Your rod and your staff comfort me. We know he's active in every area of life. When we get off the trail, he he pokes us and prods us. We know he's not going to just let us walk away. He's going to prod us with that rod and and bring us back in line. Or when we fall into the crevice of danger, he's going to reach down with that shepherd's hook and he's going to pull us out of that crevice, pull us out of that danger and put us back in the green pasture. He prepares a table in the presence of my enemy. Notice he doesn't say we're not going to have enemies. But what he says is that when people are out to get us and when they have our harm in mind and when they are manipulating circumstances to try to drag us down and to try to bring us down, when we're following the good shepherd, he is going to spread a table in the presence of our enemy, a blessing and a protection. And they're going to see his power in our life. And they're going to have no joy and no satisfaction of trying to ruin our life. You anoint my head with oil. You know what? When you're on a cattle drive, all you are is another steer. They don't care about you. Your work, you could be the best salesperson that that work has ever had, and and you've made quota year after year after year and surpassed your quota, and all of a sudden you have just a short season where you're not as successful, and all of a sudden they're in the office and they're threatening you and they're telling you you better get your act together. And even if you have an entirely successful career, at the end of that career they're going to have a cake and they're going to have a little party and they're going to say what a great person you were, and and they're going to throw you out and say get your desk cleaned out by 5 o'clock today. we got somebody else coming in. That car dealer, the minute you drive off that car, you, you were just a, you were a number. They sold their car. They got their commission. They don't care about you. They don't care how, what kind of service you get. See, because you're just a number when you're on the cattle drive. But the good shepherd anoints you with oil. That has great symbolism in Scripture. It means that you are made sacred. You're just not a number to the good shepherd. You're just not another steer walking down that dusty old road. You are sacred to him. You are his son. You are his daughter. He has consecrated you. You're a child of the king, and he looks at you like no one else in the world. You're set apart by him. He knows the hairs on your head. He, you, you are divinely endowed with gifts to have a purpose in life and to make a significant, eternal significant uh, uh, con- contribution with your life. You're divinely chosen by God. And He has a plan and purpose for your life. When we make the Lord our shepherd. David says, my cup overflows. When he really is our shepherd, when he has the controlling interests of our life, we'll have everything we need in life and more. When the Lord's my shepherd. But notice it's for his namesake that he does it. It's not because I'm better than my neighbor, I'm better than my coworkers. It's not for that. He does it for his namesake. He says, listen, you be one of my sheep. You put me at the forefront of your life. You give me the controlling interest of life, and I'm going to put my name on the line. I'm going to put my reputation on the line. I said you won't want, you won't be craving things. I said I'll lead you by quiet waters. I'll make you lie down in green pastures. I will restore your soul. He said, I'll do that. And he says, I'm putting my reputation on the line in your life if you make me my shepherd. And we know he's not going to let his own name be soiled. That's the guarantee. It's for his name's sake. Life is to be lived for his glory. 
And when we do that, His glory rubs off on all of us. Ah, when the Lord's my shepherd, David says, surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. That's talking about this life. He said, I'm going to live life a different way. I'm, I'm going to go through the same pitfalls. I'm going to go through the same uh, dangers. I'm going to do that, but I'm doing it a different way. I'm not going to be driven through those things. I'm going to be led lovingly through all those things. And then beyond that, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. As a follower of the shepherd, we know this, it's only going to get better and better. And one day when he leads us through the valley of the shadow of death, we're going to step through the threshold of heaven. We'll go through the gates of heaven, and he'll wipe away every tear from our eyes. There'll be no more sorrow, no more sickness, no more death. Those former things will be passed away, and we will live in the loving light for all eternity of the good shepherd, of the great shepherd who brought us through this life, and he will bring us through eternity. But it's our choice. It's not a drive. It's an offer. Follow me. Are you on the cattle drive? Are you following the shepherd? If you're not following the shepherd, know this. You're on your own. You're on your own. You are at the mercy of those forces and personalities that want to drive you through life. It's your choice. Today, this morning, are you on the cattle road? Are you following the good shepherd? Let's bow our heads. You say, well, Pete, how do I know that all these things will be true in my life that were true in the life of David? How do I know he'll really do that for me? Let me tell you how you know. Because he died on the cross for you. No one has demonstrated greater love and passion for you than Jesus Christ. No one has offered a greater sacrifice on your behalf than God the Father, who sent his only begotten Son to this world to die a shameful, painful death on the cross. Nobody has proved that they have your best interest in mind greater than Jesus Christ. We're going to celebrate that through communion this morning. Our ushers, our deacons, our pastors are coming forward. In a moment, we're going to pass the communion trays, and I'm going to invite you to take a cracker first and put it on your lap, and then take a cup of juice, and let's all hold until we've all received, and we'll partake of it together. Go ahead, gentlemen. You can lift your heads up. As we receive the elements right now, I'm going to call believers to examine your life. I'm going to ask you first to examine which trail you've been on. Are you on the trail where there are forces driving you through life? Are you been following the shepherd? Which one are you doing right now? And I'm going to give you a moment to pray to the Lord and just to talk to him and you can even do that with your eyes open. You don't have to have them closed to talk to the Lord while the trays are being passed. But if you're on that cattle trail, right now the Lord wants to restore your salvation. He wants to restore the joy of the journey with Him. But you might be here today and you've never taken the first critical prerequisite step of the journey of allowing the Lord to be your shepherd. 
But you allow the Lord to be your shepherd first and foremost when you surrender to him your soul. You allow him to restore your soul. A lot of people today are hoping that they live a good enough life to go to heaven or they're hoping that their denominational affiliation is going to somehow automatically put a stamp of approval on them or they're thinking maybe they can give enough money someday to the church and the Lord will see their passion. None of that's going to work. Jesus himself said in John chapter 14, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If we could get to heaven by being good people, Jesus didn't need to come and die on the cross. But the fact is, we cannot be good enough. The Bible says in the book of Revelation that he will not let anything impure enter his kingdom. And every one of us are impure. Every one of us have sinned. Romans 3.23, for all have sinned, come short of the glory of God. And therefore, we need to receive the gift of forgiveness from God. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 and 9. For by grace are you saved through faith. It's not of yourself. It's the gift of God. Not by works so that no one can boast. And how do we receive it then? Romans chapter 10, verse 9 says, If we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead, we'll be saved. See, it's just believing God sent Jesus to die for our sins and entrusting that Jesus, because he was willing to go to the cross, has been given God's authority to forgive your sin. If you've never trusted Christ as your Savior, then he's not your shepherd. And none of the things we talked about today are going to be in your life. It starts with humbling ourselves before the cross. If you've never done that, you can do it right now. You can just pray to God, God, I confess to you I'm a sinner. God, I confess to you my need of your forgiveness, and I get it now. I'm never going to be good enough to get to heaven. That's why you sent Jesus. And God, I confess to you today, I believe Jesus is your son. And I believe because he was willing to die on the cross that you have given him alone the authority to forgive my sin. And so, Jesus, I'm asking you today to be my Savior. Jesus, pay my sin debt with your blood. Jesus, today, I believe on you and you alone for my eternal salvation and forgiveness. Now, the Bible says for anyone who will humble themselves in that way before the Lord, the Bible says in 1 John 5, 13, These things have I written unto you who believe on the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life. It's a promise from God. And he wants to give it to you just because he loves you, because he is the great shepherd, he is the good shepherd, and he has only your welfare and mine. And this is how we know it's true. We know it's true because of what he was willing to do for us. On the night Jesus was betrayed, he took bread, and after giving thanks, he broke it, and he passed it to his disciples. And he said, this is my body which is broken for you. As often as you eat this, do this in remembrance of me. In the same manner, Jesus took the cup, and he passed it to his disciples. And he said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. As often as you drink this, do this in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you do proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. And we thank you that you have not left us here on earth hopelessly as a part of the cattle drive, driven by forces, by people, and with Satan behind it all. You have given us the option of a different way, a better way, a more loving way, a more secure way, a more purposeful way, a more satisfying way. Help us.
to get off the cattle drive trail and help us to put you where you belong in our life with the controlling interest of our time, our money, our talents, our energy, our focus. And when that's true, surely goodness and love will follow us all the days of our life and we will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Anoint us with your presence. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Right now, our ushers are going to come forward and give us an opportunity to give Christ the controlling interest in the financial area of our life. Let me tell you something. When times get hard, especially financially, that's the time to give. I promise you this. You can't outgive God. I've tried, and I tell you this. You can't do it. You cannot outgive God. Let's give him our gifts. Let's trust him with our lives. Let's know that the good shepherd will lead us pastures that are green. Let's receive the gifts now. As we do, next weekend is Father's Day weekend. And we're going to celebrate dads. And we're going to offer encouragement to dads. Uh, at Florida Bible Church, every year we have a program that we call Donuts with Dads, and then later on we do one Muffins with Moms. And it's just a great time. We invite all our dads to come for one time, and we encourage them, and then they get to spend some time with their child in our school or children, as the case may be. Same thing with moms. This year I shared with our dads a very short message of encouragement as dads, and some of the men from our church who also have children in our church came to me, and, and, and many of them did who were there, and said, Pastor, you've got to share this with the rest of the men in our church. They really need this. And so I'm going to do that next weekend. I'm going to share a message that I'm going to entitle, My Daddy Do-Over. What I would do differently if God gave me a chance to do it all over again. I've raised two adult children who I am so proud of. I've got a wonderful son-in-law. I've got a fantastic grandson now. My cup overflows, it really does. And I want to share with you, and I want to encourage you, whether you're a dad or not, or whether you're a grandfather, all of us, these are things that we can all embrace to make the lives of children more satisfying, more fulfilling, more secure. And they need that in this day of insecurity. So I'm going to encourage you to invite guests to come with you. It's going to be a celebration. I'm not going to preach long. It'll be short. We'll be out of here on time. We're going late, a little late today because we had so many things in the service. But uh, uh, it's going to be a great time of celebration. So I'm going to encourage you to come back next weekend, one of the three services, Saturday, 6 o'clock, Sunday, 9.30 or 11. And uh, we're going to celebrate uh, Dad's Day, a special day for dads. Uh, also, in your bulletin is this flyer, Restore a Life, Save a Future. You know, we uh, have a great ministry here in, in southwest Broward entitled, that's called Sheridan Fam House Family Ministries. Dr. Bob Barnes is the president of it. You may have heard him on the radio. He has spoken in the past for our church. I've been trying to get him to come out and speak again, but his schedule has been so busy. But he told me maybe this fall he can come out again. He was our commencement speaker for Florida Bible Christian School a couple of weeks ago. And Bob and I were talking in my office before the commencement service, and he was sharing with me the struggles of their ministry and how these hard economic times are really hard on all uh, nonprofit organizations. Uh, uh, we, we've uh, had a challenging year here. I'm going to tell you about it here in a few weeks as we uh, uh, talk about our budget for next year. But, uh, you know, 
it's really easy in times like this when a church is not making its budget to say, you know, we, we can't support anybody else. But that's not biblical. When a need comes up, God wants us to give to that need. And so I, I'm going to ask you to take this home this week and read this. And then next week, in addition to our offering for this ministry, our tithes and offerings that belong to the Lord and that we give through this church, we're going to have a separate offering for Sheridan House Family Ministries, a ministry that helps bring healing to families. And many of those families are single mom families. There's no dads, and they help to, 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 to put a godly male influence into those children's lives, and that's needed. Now, in here, talks about supporting that ministry for $38 a month. And some of you, the Lord will lead to do that in addition to your tithes and offerings here at Florida Bible Church. And so I want you to take it, read it, pray about it, and then come next week prepared on Father's Day to participate, if the Lord leads you to do it, in this special offering for this great ministry here in our area so we can reach out and help families. That's what family's all about. Family helps family, right? And the family of God helps the family of God, even beyond our doors. So let me encourage you to be part of that. I thank you for being here today. Thank you for uh, uh, helping us. And and, uh, after the service, uh, if uh, men and women, all those who can, help us to move the chairs off to the side as we normally do. That'll take a few moments. As you leave today, you can take your communion cups, and there's some some white uh, containers that you can deposit those in as you leave, uh, up in the front and in the back. The ushers will have them. And I thank you for being here today. And let me encourage you to be faithful to the Lord in the summertime. You know, summertime, we think it's summer vacation, and we take a vacation from the Lord. Boy, how terrible it would be if in the summertime the Lord took a vacation from us. Huh? How would you like that? I don't think I'd like that. I don't think you'd like that. So let's be faithful to the Lord throughout the summer. Let's all stand. Father, anoint us with your presence. Help us to keep our priorities straight. Help us to keep our focus on the shepherd and stay out of the cattle drive. There's no future there. Bless us with you, your power, your love, and your presence. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you. Have a great week. Thanks for listening. Here at Florida Bible Church, we believe the first and most important step in life's journey is a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. So the question is, how about you? If you haven't started this relationship, you can use this model prayer. Jesus, I do want to begin a relationship with you. I know that I have sinned against you and cannot save myself. So right now, I ask for your forgiveness of all my sins and I accept you as my personal Savior, believing that you died on the cross and paid for all my sins. Forgive me now, and please give to me your precious gift of eternal life. Amen. You can find this prayer along with more detailed information on our website at www.floridabible.org. Just click the Beginning a Relationship with Jesus button. There you will also learn more about us and find the next steps for a Christ follower. Thanks again for listening to Living Life with Purpose.